1: Welcome to another edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Nick Whalen, joined uh, by, by a new face on this podcast. Not a new face to me. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the fantasy basketball sports betting sphere, uh, you've probably heard Brandon Kravitz before. Uh, he's the host of the Fantasy Bites Podcast for us here at RotoWire, freaking or Pure on the RotoWire Serious XM show as well. Uh, if you're in the Orlando area, you've probably heard Brandon on 96.9 The Game. Uh, Brandon, I feel like we've been circling this for a couple of years now since I've gotten to know you. Uh, it's been great to to talk hoops with you, talk football with you over the years, and now we will be hosting together every Wednesday, Talking NBA uh, on this very podcast from now until the end of the season. So very much looking forward to it, man. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. This is very much a pinch myself sort of moment. it um, <laughs> be just uh, how long you and I have now been getting to know each other, talking hoops and everything else that uh, that we're interested in, bumping into each other purposefully in Vegas and, you know, while well, the summer league is sort of a backdrop in the city at the time. And yeah, I mean, I love talking hoops, so this is perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, you and I, you know, we're both football guys as well, but I, I think, you know, deep down, we're, we're hoop heads at heart. So this is, uh this is kind of right up our alley. Uh We'll talk about the Orlando magic, your Orlando magic in a bit. You were on site at media day. Most teams uh, had their media days this past Monday, some teams yesterday, but, Training camp is essentially in full swing. We got preseason games coming up later this week. Not a ton of news right now. I think you know fantasy relevant news will start picking up in earnest over the next week or so. Uh, but the big thing that we are tracking is you know we're, we're on James Harden watch. And the the initial indications this morning are that Harden is in Colorado. That's where the, the 76ers are doing a little uh, destination getaway training camp. Uh, the idea, at least, is that James Harden is going to show up. But based on everything we heard yesterday, and, and Adrian Wojnarowski had a report last night saying that, yeah, Harden's going to be there. But uh, <laughs> it, it almost sounds like he's arriving with the intent to to create mass chaos. So I am I am prepared for anything. We we might have a redux of you know Andrew Bynum in Cleveland just getting the ball and jacking up full quarters.
2: <laughs> so I mean, I, him just being there creates an awkward situation. So I don't know that James Harden actually has to provoke anybody in this situation we know that it's a it's tenuous at best James Harden put Daryl Morey on fl- full blast in his last trip to China so this is an awkward situation i don't know what they're doing in colorado i think it's like it's it's probably a popular part of the country as far as like team bonding up in the red rocks amphitheater you know like that sort of There's just holistic not that many natural of colorado re- yeah I don't know, but you know, th- it, that's where the champions reside. Maybe they're trying to yeah. get a, a rub off of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just trying to get into like the general orb uh, of the Denver Nuggets. Very possibly. Uh, I-, I love this idea of destination training camps. I know some team is in Nashville. I forget which one, you know, we started to see this a little bit more. Uh, you know, I know the Lakers, I think go down to like San Diego or something like that, or Palm Springs. Uh, it's very cool. I mean, as, as somebody who has never played in the NBA, I, I suppose I should say that for, for the new listeners. Uh, neither of us are former players. Um, I, 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 I love they the idea. That
2: one, I think they figured yeah. that one out already.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, it can be hard to tell sometimes, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do wonder how the players react to it. They're probably just like, "All right, man, we travel enough. I, I don't know if we need to be doing this." But um, well, you know, when it comes to Harden, let, let's talk about the fantasy stuff real quickly. You know, I, I talked with Dan Titus on this pod on Monday about it, and yeah, you know, we we were both of the belief that yeah, you, know, you look at his current ADP, you know, you'll still see him go at the end of the second round, maybe more often now at the beginning of the third round he's a good enough player to me that there is some risk reward calculation that you need to make. Like to me, this is not a, I'm crossing him off. I'm not taking him no matter what situation now. Yeah. It could, it could turn into, you know, even like kind of a Jonathan Taylor type of thing where James Harden is sitting out games. And, you know, if there's any player in the league who's willing to sacrifice his free agency or sacrifice money uh, it might be James Harden. You know, I I think when he says he wants to make this team uncomfortable, he means it. So I'm prepared for any possibility, but we have to keep in mind that even you know in his mid thirties, you know James Harden, especially on a per game basis, is still one of the fifteen best players in fantasy basketball. Like he's slowed down over the last couple of years. He's teamed up with other superstars. He's taken less responsibility. He's not putting up thirty six a game anymore, and he's still super efficient. He's still giving you twenty. He's still giving you a ten or eleven assists, and he's still you know, not quite the cheat code that he was in terms of free throws, but still one of the best in the league when it comes to that category.
2: Yeah, whenever they change those rules, his his production dipped almost instantaneously. But he still plans to play. So I, I don't think this – I don't know that we can draw the analogy to Jonathan Taylor because the team, you know, the team shut him down. I think if Philadelphia wants to maximize value for James Harden, they kind of have to get him out there and show teams that he's in good shape because that's always a question mark for Harden at the beginning of the year. I don't get the impression based on what we've read and seen so far that he's just not going to play, that he's going to, he's going to play that card and Philadelphia needs wins. So I don't know that they can really mess around with that either. He'll probably end up getting dealt and then you'll feel much better about the situation. I don't, you know, I'm just looking at sort of the ADP as it is right now and some of the guys that are going around him. Okay. My issue with Harden is that I want everybody else that surrounds him the Uh, Markkanens, Desmond Bain, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, LeBron. You know, I I like those trustworthy Mm -hmm. uh, box score stuffers more so than what I I think I'm going to get from James. I'm probably fading him, but you're right. It's not like you can't just cross him off of your list, but Mm -hmm. you can keep him pretty far down because there's a bit of a little discomfort there.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the possibility of Harden being dealt uh, by all accounts. That's still what he is pushing for. And it, it seems like the Clippers are that team. That's where he wants to go. And to me, it's, it's one of the few destinations that, that makes sense. And I, I'm using the term makes sense uh, very broadly here because I, it, Harden is such a unique player, right? Like he is a hall of famer. He's an MVP. He is one of the best fantasy players that we've ever seen. And yet I, I don't know that. Can you think of a, a single player who has a bigger discrepancy in terms of postseason and regular season performance? Like, you know, it, it's one thing when you know some of these players shake free and yeah, yeah, you know, we could complain about the way that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, guys like that go about uh, you know, forcing their way off of one team to another, but whatever team they end up with, like that franchise is, is ultimately okay with it. You know, you, you might not like the process, but you want those guys on your team. Like, are, are there other fan bases out there that are like, oh man, I hope we trade for James Harden. Like, I've just we've we've been down that road too many times in the postseason where like the, the productivity in the regular season is one thing, but I just you feel like you need to see it once in the playoffs and we're getting to the point in his career now where I I just wonder if that ship has sailed. So like from the Clippers perspective, when you're up against it with this roster that you built, you know, I I think there's enough chaos going on with the Clippers that, you know, throw James Harden in there, see what happens. I don't really have a problem with it, but if you're another team that's kind of looking to go from that middle tier to, to contender status, I, I don't know how you can have the conversation and say, yes, James Harden is the piece that pushes us over the top.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that we got the biggest indication of how teams view James Harden was what the Rockets did in the offseason by bringing in Fred Van Vliet. Because the rumors all along were that James Harden was going to end up there, back in Houston, where he is beloved in that town. So he wanted every bit of playing for that, that franchise again. James Harden has never struck me as somebody who's obsessed with winning. I think he loves playing basketball. He loves being a superstar. He certainly loves the extracurriculars that go along with that. And Houston delivers in that department as well. From what I under, I've learned that from James Harden. Not hey, personal. Hey, who, who among us experience. doesn't enjoy
1: the extracurriculars? I'm not, not going to shame James Harden. I'm not
2: judging. I'm just you know <laughs> stating facts here, Nick. So the fact that they didn't move on him when it seemed like such an obvious move, and they had the assets to make that happen, they had the cap space, they had trade capital, and the fact that they didn't do it, I think it, it kind of goes to show that he doesn't hold yeah. as much value al- around the league at this time. I cannot. I'm really trying to get creative here and come up with another team that makes sense other than the LA Clippers, and I simply can't get there. I can't no. come up with one other team where I go. That's it. That's the path for a James Harden deal.
1: I, I really don't see it. It, it would take a, a team that's in a similarly desperate situation. You know, it might take a you know a, a star on on some team that we're not even thinking about. You know, asking out, and then you start to evaluate your options, and maybe James Harden is kind of the last girl available at the bar. I I don't know. I, you know, I I think I'm looking at a team like Dallas, you know, like if, if something like were to go South with Kyrie, which is always a possibility, it's like, I don't know, maybe they emerge as that option, but, but like the idea of Harden playing alongside Luka Doncic, uh, I I think is not, not an ideal fit, uh, two very similar players. Like there's just, there's just not that many spots. So I, I think it's kind of Clippers or James Harden is maybe stuck in Philly and they try to work through this, but if you're Philly, in a roundabout way that that almost might be the best case scenario, because if you trade Harden specifically to the Clippers and if the Clippers don't get a third team involved, like I just, you know, if Paul George or Kawhi Leonard aren't in that deal, which presumably they would not be. I I just don't think there's enough on that Clippers roster that, that makes me feel like I'm getting, I'm getting value for James Harden. Even if you're going into this knowing, okay, you know, we got to be prepared to get 75 cents on the dollar. Like, you know, Terrence Mann to me has become like the most overrated trade asset in the league. We've been talking about him for four years, and it's like, oh man, will the, will the Clippers put him in a deal? It's like, what has Terrence Mann done uh, to, to earn this status? I almost feel like yeah. we, we talk about him like Tyrese Maxey or something for a while. I don't think he's anywhere near that level. And it's like, yeah, you know, Norman Powell, you know, maybe you could grab him, uh, but none of those guys to me, you know, take Philly, a team that needs to improve, a team that you know has fallen even further behind Boston and Milwaukee this season. There's there's nothing on this Clippers roster that would make me feel like all right, you know, uh, we 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 can you know, we can make a run at Boston, we can make a run at Milwaukee. They're they're kind of screwed here, and I I do think their best option is trying to bridge this gap with James Harden. And you know, right now that that feels like an impossibility.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a clear answer in terms of what you get in return. James Harden probably helps them win more games than anybody they're bringing back, but like you said, there's a cap to that success. And the teams that are right above them in that, con- in that conference got a whole lot better. So th- that makes you feel even less confident about what the Philadelphia 76ers would be able to pull off. I'm just going to throw this out there because it is something they have to start discussing. If you know that you can't get fair value for James Harden and you can't enhance your roster, is it time to start thinking about starting over again? Because the guy that you can uh, get a lot for is Joel Embiid. And big men don't tend to last all that long. He's coming off of an, an MVP level season. You know, I know it's uncomfortable and you don't want to trade superstars. But if you don't have an answer quickly, right. then you might end up with a broken down Embiid in two years and still nothing to show for it. So right. you right. have if you're going to have the conversation, you either have it now or you don't have it at all and you let him retire a sixer. Uh, or or wait for him to force his way out and force his way to the Knicks.
1: I was just going to say, I think the Knicks are watching this more closely than any other team. I think they want they want mass chaos. They want they want the Andrew Bynum situation at Sixers camp today. Uh, because I, I think the the bleaker the outlook gets for the Seventy Sixers, uh, the, the better the Knicks' chances would be to, to swoop in and, and grab Joel Embiid, who you know is under contract at about forty seven million this year. Uh, you know escalates a little bit. You know, obviously he's a max player. Um, but you know, he's fully under contract for 24, 25 and 25, 26 before that player option comes up. And, you know, th- these timelines, I feel like always shrivel faster than you think, you know, it's like, Oh, he's under contract for the next four years. We're great. And then like, all of a sudden, you know, it feels like they're, they're, they're putting pressure on the organization. So it's not like you have a, a lifetime contract on a bead, but it, as far as these superstar trades, you know, tend to go, usually guys will, will ask out with a year left. Um, you know, that trend is, uh, you know kind of gone the other way the last couple of years, but you know Embiid, like you said, the, the fact remains he would have immense trade value. Uh, it w- would be maybe the biggest return that we've seen of all these superstar trades over the last couple of years because a lot of these guys who've been on the move, you know, think of like Kevin Durant, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving. They they're, they're either in their mid thirties or you know they have significant questions as far as their commitment to basketball. Whereas with Embiid, I'm with you. Like I still worry about Embiid's health. I I would not want to be the team that's paying Joel Embiid sixty five billion dollars in his age thirty four season, but I think there's still a two, three, four year window here where he could be one of the five best players in the NBA. So, yeah, the Knicks will be watching this very closely, uh, as will other teams. I don't think that would be a one team sweepstakes uh, if if it comes to Embiid. Let's talk about your team, the Orlando Magic. You were were boots on the ground uh, at Media Day. I I believe you said on the radio show last night that this was your 11th consecutive uh, Orlando Magic Media Day. Is that right?
2: That is, if the math checks out on that, 2012 was my first one. It was the exit of Dwight Howard. So I I started with a bang. It got a whole lot less interesting after that. and Things are starting to trend up.
1: So what what did you glean from media day? I think the magic are a really interesting team. They've they've been in this zone for a while now where, you know, there's, there's kind of like the, the, the true poverty rosters around the league where you're like, Oh man, this this is a 17 win team. I don't like this. And look, Orlando has not been a, a very good team in terms of wins and losses for the last five years or so, but they've always had talent they've always felt like they're at least a competent organization that is trying to do the right things, trying to move in the right direction. Like they're, they're, they're doing the right things I think to build this roster. And yet, you know, you look at the scope of the East and you know, where do they fit in? Uh, I know you had a lot of players tell you on Monday that they believe that they could be a a playoff team, not a play in team, but they could be, you know, one of the top six teams in the East. Are you buying that?
2: I I do. Uh, I think this team is, is actually pretty good. Uh you, have, you can't look at last year's record, I know that I watch a lot more magic basketball than most people that are going to be listening to this, but this team is not a bottom dweller and they weren't a bottom dweller last year. The record says that they were, they were five and 20 to start last season. Pretty much every guy that plays meaningful minutes for this team, not named Franz Wagner missed significant time last year at the start of the season. And and it wasn't until the holidays passed where they started to piece together a healthy roster. They even had Jonathan Isaac healthy on the team and that albeit temporarily. But I think some of that was also him getting shut down because they realized what the season was turning into. He's healthy to start this year. Markel Fultz started last season in a walking boot. He's healthy this year. Um, these guys seem like they're ready to go when after the five and 20 start they went 29 and 28 so this was an above 500 basketball team during that stretch run towards the end of the year the biggest thing that I took away from everybody that I talked to was this renewed focus from specifically Jalen Suggs who's entering year three in the NBA he's obviously eyeing a big time deal coming up in the near future so that could definitely be a part of it we know money is a motivating factor. Suggs has been a disappointment since being drafted by the Magic just a couple of years ago. He was supposed to be the guy that saved the franchise, and then they wound up with the number one pick the following year, and people quickly pushed him to the side. I got the sense last year that he was pretty salty about that, and, and, and just the, the shot didn't come around. Everybody that I talked to when I said, who's the guy in the locker room that's really going to push this team forward? Almost everyone said Jalen Suggs, and I didn't prompt them to say that. So it was interesting to hear others uh, have that opinion. And then when I sat down with Jalen, I mean, it was like I was talking to a completely different person. He just seemed like he had this new zest for the game, Um, a much happier person. There was more joy in him discussing the game of basketball than even a year ago. So I'd keep my eye on that. A breakout season for Jalen Suggs just based on vibes alone would not surprise me.
1: Well, as as someone who thought that the Magic got the steal of the draft, uh, and couldn't believe that the Raptors took Scotty Barnes, uh, I, I'm banking on a, ba- yeah. a breakout third year for Jalen Suggs. That was uh, that's going to go down, I think, as maybe one of my worst calls of all time. But I'm I, I still think there's there, there's something to salvage here for Jalen Suggs. Like we, we see the flashes, you know, he'll have like these these five ten game runs. And you're like, okay, this, this guy looks like somebody who was taken in the top five of the NBA draft. But you know, on the whole, you know, the shooting continues to be an issue. You know, he's one of those guys and. Orlando has a few of them, like it, just when it felt like, you know, all right, he started to turn a corner, then he rolls his ankle and he's out for three weeks. And it's kind of like, all right, well, we got to reset, build back up to that point. Um, you know, he's played 48 and 53 games over his first two NBA seasons. Uh, what are your expectations for Paolo Bancaro? Uh, you know, I, I think it was obviously fantastic as a rookie. We, we started to see the shooting wane a little bit at the end of the year, as is often the case for a rookie. You know, you, you kind of hit that two thirds of the season wall, uh, you know, fatigue starts to set in. Uh, but, you know, on the whole, one of the better statistical rookie years that we've seen in a while, especially from a scoring wing, uh, fantasy-wise, you know, didn't quite add up, as is often the case with rookies, you know, you, you deal with inefficiency, it, it kind of pushes you down the fantasy rankings, I thought he was a much better player in real life than he was in fantasy, what what have you heard from him as far as how the summer went, you know, playing with Team USA, kind of going to use him more in that point-forward role, uh, because this is a team that I still feel like at some point has to do some condensing, in the backcourt yeah you you, you got a lot of mouths to feed you got a lot of ball handlers a lot of players that you're trying to simultaneously develop on the fly
2: yeah we asked him about playing that small ball five and yeah he kind of i think he kind of dodged it a little bit just like you know that i think that might have just been a an international basketball kind of thing and we might see it here and there but i don't think it's going to be a predominant part of his game um with with this team is just not really the way that they're constructed. Wendell Carter Jr. takes up a lot of that space. And then you've got Mo Wagner and Goga Batase coming off the bench. And and that seems to be more of the general rotation in terms of bigs. But Paolo averaged 20 last year and completely hit a wall for about a month. He didn't hit the rookie wall and just completely fall off. But he, I think he made one three in the month of February. I mean, yep. it got ugly there for a minute with Paolo. And you're talking about a guy that started his career. We we were every seems like every single game we were talking about uh, a rookie hasn't done this since LeBron, a rookie hasn't done this since Wilt. You know, I mean, it was pretty crazy comparisons with the numbers that he was putting up. And this wasn't opinion driven stuff. This was the facts that were laid out there. I think he's going to absolutely explode this year. I mean, this is a guy that is clearly obsessed with the game. The fact that he, who did have that grueling rookie season, like any rookie that plays more than 70 games, they're not used to this stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've got to get their body acclimated, sleeping patterns, uh, ha- it's like off-court habits, all of that stuff. And he said that, he said as much, the biggest thing he took away from last season was just simply the fact that he's got to get to sleep sooner. I mean, it, sometimes it's just that simple. These guys aren't used yeah. to, oh, I got to wake up the next day, travel, and then go play another basketball game. You're just not doing that in college. So, you know, I expect a different focus. He clearly loves the game. He went and played overseas when he could have kicked back with his boys for a couple of months. So mm-hmm. um, he's got the superstar in him, and, you know, I love the style that he plays. He's already got – he's already got the body for it. So that's one of the things that I liked about him that I saw last year was – he never really, outside of, you know, his shot being off in the middle of the season, never really looked like a rookie out there. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got the body like he's a five-year vet.
1: And I thought his body changed significantly from the end of the season at Duke, where, you know, obviously he was still an, an above-average athlete at the college level, but I, I thought he showed up stronger. He looked more ripped. He looked more athletic to me. And I, I feel the same way, you know, watching him with Team USA. And, you know, ultimately, he was kind of a bit player for that team as, as tends to be the case when you're, you're coming out of your rookie season, but uh, you know, they were using him in, in unique ways, playing him as a small ball center. I thought he was, he was better prepared for that uh, than he would have been this time last year. No question. So I'm with you very high on Palo Bancaro, uh, both in real life and in fantasy. You know, we, we talked about the the glut of ball handlers on this team. One of those is a rookie, Anthony black, the number six overall pick in the draft. Uh, the magic had two lottery picks. They also add jet Howard out of Michigan toward the end of the lottery What are your expectations for both of those guys in year one?
2: You know, in terms of fantasy, I I honestly think that they're late round speculative ads at best, just because of, of, like you said, the glut of guards that are on the roster. The guys that are running the show upstairs really need to get a good look at Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. What are those guys going to provide? I still think that this team could be involved in the trade market at any point Gary Harris is not the answer as the starting two that's one thing that you know needs to be cleared up at some point uh, maybe he ends up in more of a bench role go ahead i, see I just, shaking I, your head like
1: why is he still on this roster like i, I love Gary I don't Harris get it. Seems, seems like a really nice guy everybody has good things to say about him you know had a nice little run in denver uh, to begin his career you know had a, had a couple seasons where he was hovering around 40% from 3 but yeah, I, 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 he seems like the guy that there are, there are like seven teams around the league that would love to trade for Gary Harris and plug him into their rotation. And he just, you know, I, like, what, what is the, the goal of keeping him around? Like, he's not that old. Is that, I'm talking about him like he's like 37 years old. He's, he's like, what, 29. Uh, but to me, he doesn't, he doesn't quite fit the timeline of the rest of this roster.
2: I don't think that they found anybody that was an obvious replacement for him. And this is still a team that's interested in winning games now yeah. and having a veteran presence that can knock down threes, especially on a team that shot the lowest volume and didn't shoot a good percentage. That is, I don't need to tell you, that is not a good combination for winning games in the NBA. So you got to get better at that. Gary Harris is going to help in that regard, not hurt. So he's someone that, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep him, in, yeah. unless you're going to get something of, substance for him it also doesn't make a lot of sense to just let him go so I think that's the reason he's still there but yeah I mean all of us that want to see what the final picture of this roster is are kind of like all right Gary thank you but ready for the next step because you know that Gary Harris is a part of the long-term future of this team but back to Jet Howard and Anthony Black I just question how much we're actually going to see them throughout the course of the year. I don't think that they're going to be fantasy viable because I don't think they're going to get the minutes for it unless this team ends up experiencing injuries. Anthony Black definitely profiles as somebody that can that can uh, really provide a lot of substance in terms of what he's able to produce stat wise. He's Mm -hmm. a great assist guy. He can score near the bucket. He's not a great shooter. I mean, Shocker, the Magic have found another one of those, but he's a tremendous facilitator. Jet Howard should be able to pack a punch in terms of hitting a couple of threes off the bench and and kind of be that, you know, well, human torch like Terrence Ross used to be for the team. But in terms of consistent production, I, I just don't really see it out of the gate.
1: All right, last thing on the magic, and then we'll talk some some NBA futures bets that we like. Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, Anthony Black, Gary Harris—you know, were naming all these guards. They brought in Joe Ingles, who can even do some ball handling as well. Joe I, Ingles, I related, by the way, is
2: the funniest person I've oh, yeah. ever met in the NBA. He was a joy to talk to. He reminded me in the middle of the interview. He said, "You know, it's my birthday, and you haven't said anything yet." I mean, <laughs> what am I supposed oh, to do man. with that?
1: That's great. We we had him in Milwaukee, obviously last season for a bit. I I will say I I was pretty shocked that Ingles got a two for twenty two deal, and maybe part of that is just still adjusting to like the you know the ever increasing salary cap landscape. But I, I don't yeah. I don't know exactly what what Joe Ingles did last year in Milwaukee to to make the Magic convinced that they had to hand him that deal. But uh, it is what it is. What, what I wanted to he's get to team here, yeah,
2: that's a, that's all like, it yeah. is. He's yeah. he's brought in for veteran leadership.
1: Yeah, he's a, a highly paid babysitter at this point, sort of. Where does the if a, if a some sort of condensation happens you know um I don't even know if that's the right word I'm not talking like you know uh accumulation of water I'm saying if they're condensing this (laughs) roster at some point who's the first one to go you know Fultz, Anthony, Suggs, Black, Harris you know all these guys like if at some point they say all right we we need to we need to hone in on who our actual guys are who is part of this roster going forward who do we want handling the ball if they have to part ways with one of those guys who would be the most obvious one
2: they're not going to part ways with guys that um are reflecting wins in the win-loss column. And Markel Fultz, when he's on the floor, has his production translates to victories. So if he continues to get better, and I mean, he's still incredibly young, so there's that opportunity there. So if he continues to get better, I don't know that the shot's ever going to come around, but he's a good enough defender. He's great at getting his teammates involved. So he's a guy I just don't see them moving off of. and He's got a great attitude too. He also cut Um, his hair. And he cut his hair. So he's going back to the UW days. I think we're getting a just a different Markel Fultz this year. You can't underrate that. And then I, I guess it would have to be Cole Anthony. I struggle with this, and it's a topic on my show every other day. But um, I think it has to be Cole Anthony. The issue is, is that the personality of this locker room is Cole Anthony. This is a tight-knit group. They're very connected to one another. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, some people listening might roll their eyes at it. It was one of the things that got the nuggets to where they were. Yes, they have Jokic, which helps, but they were also a tight-knit group that got along. They would Mm. hang out together and play video games at Aaron Gordon's compound. That kind of stuff plays when you have this grueling season that goes into even more games into the playoffs. The Magic have that chemistry about them. And Cole Anthony, I think, is the number one reason why. So if you trade him away, does it shake up the locker room too much? But there's a glut. They're not going to move off of Anthony Black. They just drafted him too recently. If Jalen Suggs breaks out, he'll make that decision pretty easy for them. So that's where the beginning of the season is so important. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, pay attention to those two guys. They're essentially playing for their spot on the future of this team.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Brandon, you and I uh, both do a ton of drafts over on Underdog. Uh been, been firing up some, some best balls uh, in their NBA contest, uh, put in an embarrassing amount uh, of Underdog fantasy football drafts as well. Uh, Underdog Fantasy, we'd like to remind you, is the number one platform for those best ball leagues, including fantasy basketball. Underdog's featured best ball tournament for the upcoming NBA season carries $500,000 in total prizes. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to $100, and even more valuable. I mean, you can't even place a value on this, Brandon. A free six-month subscription to Rotowire with promo code RWNFL. That's promo code RWNFL. Just use that when you sign up on Underdog. You can go to underdogfantasy.com. You can download their app. It's a fantastic app. You can get it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. And again, make sure you're using that promo code RWNFL. It'll get you that deposit bonus up to $100 as well. As that free RotoWire subscription, Uh, and that gets you access to all of our content, not just NBA. Uh, You can access all of our NFL, all of our our off-season baseball content. I know we'll have new rankings dropping for next season already uh, in the next couple of weeks here. So, tons of content available to you at RotoWire.com, UnderdogFantasy.com. Download the Underdog app. I would want to turn our attention.
2: I would be useless without my Underdog account. So, oh, same here. Highly recommend it.
1: Well, I, I mean, they've added uh, they've added these like kind of pick type of contests week to week for the NFL, uh, similar to what you'd see on some other apps, you know, kind of the the more or less uh, type of contest, which I love. I mean, it's, it's just so user friendly. Uh, one of the best designed apps out there. We've we've, we've seen a lot over the years, Brandon, and I, I'm sure like every, every time an app pops up like this. So there's some sort of deposit bonus. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. It's free money. Sure. Uh, the, inter- the interface at Underdog is, is remarkable.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, it, and it's a great way. I, I love spicing up night to night in the NBA. You know, especially being at a lot of these games. Oh yeah, there's there are injuries. It can make it a little bit difficult if you want to get into the betting space. But in terms of just playing the 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 individuals that you believe yeah. in, you know, night to night, that's a great way to get it done.
1: Yeah. You're speaking my language. Those, those like Tuesday night slates when there's like five games yes. and it feels like it's like somehow the Hornets are playing the Rockets five times. You're like I need something, I, I need something to keep me engaged here. And that's, that's where underdog comes in.
2: League we pass talk- freaks love this stuff.
1: Yes, exactly. We, we want to talk about the futures market here. Uh, you know, obviously you can bet futures throughout the season, but it's a lot more fun to throw them in beforehand, kind of test your knowledge. Uh, you know, it forces you to, to project things out and you're know, kind of, Uh, you know, kind of forecast how the NBA season goes. So, we'll talk about some of our favorite team based bets. We'll get into some of the awards odds as well. Uh, but I want to start at the top NBA title odds. Uh, it's hard to look at the board right now in light of what the Celtics did, in light of what the Bucs did over the last week, and and feel like you're getting a ton of value. We're seeing right now Milwaukee four to one, Boston four to one to win the title, the Nuggets at five to one, the Phoenix Suns at six to one. Uh, and then you move into teams like the Lakers and the Warriors. They're at 12 and 13 to one, respectively, before we get into some of the longer shots. Uh, I'll ask you right away. I mean, if, if you had to go Celtics, Nuggets, Bucks, or Suns, you know, th- those three teams that are, uh, you know, six to one or shorter, do you have a favorite uh, among those four?
2: I like the Bucs. I like the move that they made to get Damian Lillard. I know Lillard wanted to go to Miami. I think he should be much happier with the situation he's in right now. Pairing along with Giannis, it's the best one-two punch. It should be the best one-two punch in the NBA. And the Bucs didn't have to give up too much in order to get him. So the rest of that roster is still pretty good. I would have them at the top just simply because of what they can do defensively. I question that about Phoenix. But to me, the best bet on the board is forget about who's winning. It's who's playing. Suns versus Bucks. I think you can get it plus 850. I think that's the best bet in terms of just NBA Finals futures.
1: Yeah, I go back and forth on the Suns. You know, the calculation is just, are they healthy, right? And, you know, Kevin Durant has kind of become this guy in fantasy where you have to say, all right, I'm bracing for 15 to 20 absences. And I don't think that changes, you know, as he now moves into like the, the later portion of his mid 30s. Uh, but I, I also think the Suns have become a little bit underrated. You know, I, I think it, coming out of the the three team trade last week, there's a lot of questions of like, okay, so they're just punting on DeAndre 8 and you're bringing in uh, an inferior and significantly bigger health risk in use Nurkic. And, you know, by virtue of building your roster around three max players, like it's just that's kind of how your construction is going to have to be. You're not going to feel great uh, about the, the four through 12 guys on that roster. But I mean, Durant, Booker, Beal, is a hell of a combo, right? And I, I think, you know, Beal and Booker, there's some, some overlap there, but I, I do think they'll make it work. I think they're going to be a nightmare to defend. I think they're going to be a really good team. Um, the, the question to me is who rivals them in the Western Conference outside of Denver? Like, I, I still think the Nuggets at five to one. That might be my favorite bet. I know they have some depth questions, but I, I think this core is going to be just as good, if not better than last season. Uh, you, you do worry a little bit about losing Bruce Brown, not really bringing in any replacements, uh, you know, can Michael Porter stay healthy? Can Jamal Murray stay healthy? Those are those are real legitimate questions that they're going to have to answer. But we also saw Denver just for the most part breeze through the Western Conference and and dispatch the Miami Heat fairly easily in the NBA Finals. I, I, I think they deserve to be right there with Milwaukee and Boston. Can I interest you in the Lakers at twelve to one or the Warriors at thirteen to one?
2: I would be much more interested in Golden State. Yep, just because of history. I don't think they're completely dead yet. Um And so a bounce back after the way they exited the playoffs last year, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back with their tails on fire a bit. I still have no idea what this Chris Paul thing is going to look like, but I imagine it can't hurt only help their chances. Um, And it might reinvigorate some of these guys. So as long as they have Steph Curry on the floor, I'm never going to count this team out. Now I should probably say the same thing about a team that has LeBron on it, but I'm seeing a little too much gray in that hair from LeBron. I, He's still amazing, and I don't want to take away from the incredible career he's had. But I don't see any scenario where this Lakers team is able to make it to the finish line.
1: Uh, I disagree on the hair, by the way. Every year LeBron shows up to media day with brand new hair, and it looked great from what I saw uh, on. Monday. There was way
2: yeah. more gray than we've ever seen from him. I mean, I don't know if he's trying to send a message like yeah. I'm still going to school you, even though I look like Grandpa Bron.
1: Well, everything he does und-
2: is with purpose.
1: Yeah. He's cutting it shorter than ever. So I I think he's, you know, we're, we're we're verging on LeBron just going bald at some point. You know, I would say that's like five to one to happen at some time. Sure, He could color it.
2: He colors his beard. He could color the top of his head.
1: Well, he does that. I I I think that's what he does. I I think like two or three times throughout the year, he'll, he'll just like, you know, you'll watch him on a Wednesday night and then they'll play on Saturday and you're like, how did LeBron's hair get a half inch longer and way darker? Like he's, he's cognizant of this. You know, (laughs) I, I don't think we can count out the hair by any means. What you said about the Lakers rings true though. Like, I think if, if the if we could just jump right to the playoffs, skip the regular season and start the playoffs in a week, I would say, yeah, I, I think the Lakers at twelve to one—that's a pretty good bet. But
2: that's how they before, won the title last time. Well, it's that's, the thing. that's Over, exactly what they did.
1: Exactly, you get a you get a nice three month break before the bubble, and and, and that works for you. I, I worry about this team making it through. You know, I, I think LeBron. We we just said it about Kevin Durant. You know, the the one you know, kind of hitch that I have when it when it comes to talking about LeBron's injuries is they. They have kind of been freak injuries. You know, you have the Solomon Hill incident. You know, it's, it's not like his body is necessarily breaking down. He's had some bad luck. You know, the type of injuries that, you know, he's, he's kind of narrowly avoided throughout his career have finally started to catch up to him. But over the course of 82 games, you know, the combination of LeBron and Anthony Davis, like the chances that both of those guys are close to 100% healthy come playoff time to me, it's just, it's not likely. It's not likely at all. So I, I wouldn't bet the Lakers now, you know, I, I would rather hold off on that, see how they look, see what, see how healthy they are. Uh, when we get to April and May, because history suggests they won't be very healthy. Are there any long shot bets uh, on the board that you like? You know, I'm looking at Miami 28 to one, the Knicks 50 to one, the Pelicans 50 to one. Like I, I, obviously I don't love any of those, but when I'm looking at long shots, I'm looking at teams that have the ability to potentially improve their roster over the course of the season. And you know, the Knicks are going to be in if, if a star shakes free, you know, Miami's always going to be in that conversation. I think the case for the Pelicans is, all right, maybe maybe Zion magically stays healthy this year and that improves their chances. Uh, and this is part of the reason that I like the Warriors over the Lakers as well, because the Warriors have some flexibility. Like if the Chris Paul thing doesn't work out, that's a contract that you could attach to Moses Moody and/or and or Jonathan Kaminga and make some changes to that roster. Like I, I think the Lakers are pretty locked in as far as what they have. You know, they, they 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 can flip D'Angelo Russell at some point, but I don't think that's going to get you, you know, kind of a, a team direction-changing return. Whereas the, the Warriors still have that in their back pocket.
2: Well, I'm really glad that you didn't mention the team that I wanted to, uh, to spring on you then Sacramento. Uh, This is a team that made a big jump last year. Uh, Mike Brown, won coach of the year because of it. I really like what I saw from them and let's not completely sleep on the C word continuity. You know, there's a lot of change around the NBA, but what about the teams that are just simply getting better with the pieces that they already have on the roster? This is a team that won a lot of games last year and they went up against a team that just is wasn't ready to be ousted yet in the Golden State Warriors. But that, I think that was a wake-up call for this young team. I expect them to light the beam a whole lot more this season. De'Aaron Fox is one of the best young guards in the NBA. So it's, in terms of long shots, I think you have it in front of you. I believe it's 50-1. to one for them
1: I got 55-1 at DraftKings. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I, I They don't
2: play a lot of defense, so they gotta figure that yeah. part out, but
1: I would I would rather bet the Kings win total, which I am scrambling to find right now, uh 44 and a half. I like that. I mean they're they're the perfect team. I feel like that's still gonna gun for it in the regular season. You know, like I wouldn't bet Boston fifty-five and a half. I wouldn't bet Milwaukee fifty-four and a half. I certainly wouldn't bet uh the Suns over fifty-one and a half. Like those are teams that are like you you reach a certain point in your in your life cycle as a contender where you just don't care about the regular season. You don't care what seed you are. It's all about rest, recovery, get, making it to the playoffs healthy. Like those teams, they're not going to push for 60 wins. There's no reason to do that. Whereas I think the Kings are still young enough in their life cycle as a good team. I mean, they're, they're literally one year into this where there is some merit in saying, all right, look, can we get the one seed? Can we get the two seed? So I would much rather bet the Kings at 44 and a half over uh, on that win total than I would to win the title. Like, I, I don't think they made enough additions like they're basically running it back with the same team which is great and and some of those players should improve but um i, I don't think they brought in enough to, to truly rival you know the, the 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 titans in both conferences
2: but i also don't think they're gonna bottom out like some of these no. other teams still have a chance to do that because the, there's a chance that the new pieces they bring in don't mesh they're we're talking about older teams that get hurt a lot even teams that were towards the bottom of the conference that we expect to be a lot better I kind of have to see it first before I lay any money on Dallas or you know a team like that that has the talent to be a whole lot better yeah. than a 30 plus win team that they were a year ago, but Sacramento's already shown us they can win a lot of games. Yeah. they just need to figure out how to stop teams on the other end, but if they get that home court advantage, it's going to be tough. That's a tough yeah. place to go and play
1: yeah, no question about that so i I know you have a bunch of futures bets that you that you have written down here, so I'll, I'll let you decide where we go next uh, what what market do you want to hit?
2: All right, I'm going to hit this one quick because we had a lot of magic talk, but I actually do think this is a really good bet. They set the win total over under at 36 and a half. They won 34 last year after starting 5 and 20, so I feel like this is a lock. They should be able to at least get to 38, uh, something like that. So over 36 and a half feels more than reasonable for the magic. I'll have the Lakers under for a lot of the reasons that I just mentioned, 48 and a half. I think it's just inevitable that this team is going to deal with injuries. Forty-nine wins puts them in the top three in the West in the regular season. I just don't see it, and I don't think this is the kind of team that's going to take the regular season serious enough. And I'll give you—I have a few more, but I'll give you one—one uh, more—and let you jump in here. Memphis under forty-five and a half. They're without jaw for twenty-five games. Then you have the reacclimation period. Who knows how long that's going to take? I just think it'll be tough for them to surpass yep. that total. Forty-five and a half seems pretty high.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's in the upper, you know, that's like one of the 10 highest win totals in the entire league. And in general, it does feel like we've seen a little bit of a depressed win total market. You know, normally you'll have a, a few more teams in the, the mid to upper fifties. And I think it's a reflection of, you know, kind of how, how many rest days are built in, even with the NBA's new policy. I don't really think that's going to change all that much. You know, injuries have been such a big story the last couple of years as well. And I also think it reflects the overall perceived parity. Of the NBA. Right. It's like you know, yeah. the Wizards are kind of the only team that truly feel like they're rebuilding right now. I guess Portland is in that conversation, too. Uh, but even these even these bad teams, you know, Washington, Portland, Detroit, uh, San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, like the teams that have traditionally been at the bottom of the conference the last few years, like all those teams have pieces like there's there are very few free wins on the schedule for any team.
2: You know, and to that parody point, it's why I, I like the Nuggets under also 54 and a half wins. I'm, I'm not racing to play this one because betting yep. against the Nuggets doesn't really make you feel nice and uncomfortable. Uh, but they won 53 last year right. and they played a ton of basketball. So it's natural that they're going to have a slow start, rest on their laurels a bit. I think they're, they're going to claw their way to 50 by the end of the year. But that number just feels a little bit high, mm-hmm. probably a second or third seed for this season. We just see a lot of teams that win the championship kind of take a yeah. step back. And and a lot of that has to do with the slow start and understanding the Nuggets are now going to enter this territory where they've never really been before, where they go, Oh, the regular season, you got to take our foot off exactly. the uh, gas a little bit there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think they are, they're now entering that point, you know, that, that Boston's been in for the last five, six years. Milwaukee's been in that zone. You know, we saw the Warriors, they were in it for basically a full decade. Uh, you know, I was talking with Dan Titus on Monday. It's like, it's, it is kind of wild to look back at like the Warriors adding Kevin Durant and becoming a worse regular season team, right? I mean, you, you win 73 games, you bring in Kevin Durant and you know, the mandate kind of changes, you know, it, it, when it becomes title or bust for a team, the regular season gets devalued significantly. So we're on the same page there. Yeah.
2: And these I'm, new rules that the NBA came up with aren't going to change anything. No. So I wouldn't let Hell that on. impact.
1: Absolutely not. Uh, you know, the, they're trying some things. <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter. I, I think we're going to be in a, a very similar situation to last year, which is going to be, Pretty frustrating for fantasy basketball. How about the MVP market, Brandon? Is there is there anyone that you're eyeing up there?
2: I'm going to look at Jason Tatum. Seven to one feels like a pretty good bet. Still just 25 years old. It's hard to believe that more of a breakout could be coming, but I don't think 35 points per game is out of the question. And if he does end up getting there, he'll be not quite a shoo-in, but he'll definitely be involved in the conversation. He averaged 30 last year. He brings it on the defensive end. And I'd like to think that the arms race in the East wakes him up a little bit. Year two under Joe Missoula, maybe there's more chemistry there, more comfortability. Uh, It just seems like this could be his year to really firmly place himself at the top of that list. And we know there's Jokic could roll out of bed and win an MVP, but there is voter fatigue with guys like Giannis and Jokic, and that's where I think Tatum could actually grab the bull by the horn this year.
1: My concern with betting guys like Giannis and Jokic is what we just talked about. Like, are, are they going to push it in the regular season? Are they going to play enough games? Or is the team going to win enough games? You know, because yeah. we know the numbers are going to be there for Jokic. The numbers are going to be there for Giannis. They'll be there for Embiid and Doncic. But I, I, I think part of it, like, when the numbers are equal, usually the tiebreaker is, okay, who's the number one seed? Whose team is better? You know, if, if the... If the Celtics win 58 games and the Bucs win 51 games, even if Giannis' numbers are better, I, I think a lot of voters would lean Jason Tatum. So you, you kind of need to tether that to what you think the team will do. And I, I'm of the belief that Tatum's gonna get one at some point. You know, he's still so young. He's probably got a, another, you know, five to seven years to win an MVP. He's always right there. And the, the thing I like about betting Tatum, and I'm seeing that at eight to one actually at DraftKings, is he, he plays games, you know, like he's like he, he's a 70-plus game player, which is huge for fantasy. Uh, and it's huge for real life. Like you don't necessarily worry about him being one of those guys who's taken off back to backs, uh, but which you know it is something that weighs more and more heavily. I think with each passing year in the MVP race. If you're looking for a little more value, you know SGA at sixteen to one. Yeah, I could talk myself into that one. Uh, you know, part of it would be you know, he felt like he broke out last year, but I don't think the Thunder have quite taken that next step as a team. Like if OKC, if OKC is the three seed in the Western conference. And you talk about a team that wants to win games. Like, I, I don't think we have to worry about OKC saving itself for the postseason. Like this is a team that has not taken that step yet. If, if they're a top four seed in the West and SGA is putting up 30 a game like he did last season, I, I think there's going to be some momentum there. So uh, outside of, you know, the obvious names, that's where I would look right now.
2: Yeah. And if you like that SGA bet, you almost have to take the thunder with their over their win total at 44 yep. and a half, because if he plays like that, he plays at an MVP level, uh, then the Thunder are going to be really, really good and they're going to soar past that number. So I mm-hmm. almost feel like those two, there's a good correlation between the two. In fact, if we're, since we're on the Thunder, my rookie of the year bet is Chet Holmgren. Uh, everybody wants to take Victor Wimbanyama and I, I think he's going to have quite the season, but. This is a guy that's been able to learn the game from the sidelines. I thought he looked really polished in summer league. He beefed up a little bit. I mean, he was wiry coming into the league, and I actually think he looks more like an NBA player already. And there, he's probably going to be – well, he's definitely going to be on the best team of all of those guys that you could bet at the top. Scoot, Wimbenyama, Brandon Miller. So perhaps efficiency plays in, into his favor a little bit. He can bring it on the defensive end. I think Chet Holmgren is a great bet for rookie of the year.
1: You can get Chet right now at three to one. Uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think we've seen we've seen this play out a few times where you know the guy who gets hurt basically misses his rookie season. Uh, you know, it's an advantage, right? You, you have another year under your belt. You're still around the team. You're, you're you're using that opportunity to bulk up to to add things to your game. I mean, you, you think of like Blake Griffin, you know, coming in and just looking like a monster uh, after sitting out that first year. And, you know, obviously physically they're, they're very different players, but it, it is an advantage. Even if you're injured for the bulk of that time that you're missing, I think you, you pick up a lot of things just being around the team during what would be your rookie season. So I, I like Chad Holmgren at three to one. I, I just don't love betting like weapon. Yama he's plus 100. Yeah. You know, I know he was, he was like nice. minus two seventy uh, back in the summer. I just, you're not getting enough value there. I, I worry about the games played. Uh, I, I do think, you know, the NBA wants it to be Victor Wemanyama, right? Like he's, he's the incumbent. Like it's, it's, it's Wembanyama's award to lose, but I, I do think there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't play enough games and he looks shaky enough at times that people are going to be looking for reasons, you know, to, to, to go with Chet Holmgren, go with Scoot Henderson. I don't think there's anybody I would bet beyond that group. You know, like Brandon Miller at 15 to one didn't look great in summer league. I think yeah. he's going to be in a tough situation in Charlotte where like, I, I think the Hornets are going to be pretty bad, but you also have Terry Rozier, Lamella Ball, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington. Like they're Brandon Miller is going to be like the fourth option on that team, which is usually not the case for the number two overall pick in the NBA draft. And then you get into like, you know, i Thompson, Asar Thompson. Those are guys that are going to be competing for touches as well. So I I, I kind of view this as a three man race between when scoot and Chet Holmgren. Uh, this is a good time to address a, a question that we got in the chat uh, from our guy Brooks. He says, curious, where's a good spot to draft scoot Henderson in fantasy Uh, What I can tell you is his average ADP right now across ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, underdog fan tracks is 83.1. Now he'll go later in in CBS and Yahoo leagues. He's going significantly earlier in underdog uh, where most of those are best ball drafts. You you, you feel uh, like you're willing to take some more chances there. So that is pushing up his ADP a little bit. You could probably get him closer to the late eighties in most redraft leagues. Where are you comfortable taking scoot? Now that we know at least partially what this Blazers roster is going to look like. I don't know that they're fully done. Uh, making moves. But you know the, the biggest piece has, has been moved, and that's Damian Lillard.
2: And I think that for that reason, I'm willing to take him uh, ahead of ADP. He's somebody I'm really excited about, an explosive player who's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. He comes in with a lot of confidence. I mean, if you ask Scoot, he should have been drafted over Victor Wembanyama. It was the rest of us that decided that this was not a, a discussion that anybody needed to have. So as long as he's able to stay on the floor because he does play that sort of bull in a China shop type of game, if he's healthy, I think he's going to put up really big numbers on a team that should be able to pack a punch uh, offensively. They'll struggle on the other end, but in terms of fantasy, he should be able to deliver.
1: Yeah, no question. I think you have to you have to be cognizant of what you're signing up for, right? Like there's there's a chance that he shoots, you know, forty-one percent from the field and twenty-nine percent from three and commits a bunch of turnovers. So it, you know, part of it is format dependent, you know, part of it is you know how you build your fantasy team. If you're playing in a roto league, you can you can kind of you know find ways to compensate for that. But in terms of counting stats, I think he's gonna be a monster. How much do you worry about the the trade off between Scoot, Anthony Simons, and Shaden Sharp?
2: I think that the the latter two will will sort of sort of eat into each other's value more so than scoot I think is gonna be pretty cemented into his role. this the organization is is sort of turning the the keys over to scoot Henderson and yeah the shooting is definitely going to be an issue, but he can get to the cup and he can do that day one. So I, I don't really worry about him being able to score. I think that he'll be able to do that from from the jump. Shaden Sharp, it's all going to come down to can that three point shot sustain from where he was last year, 40% th- a forty percent three point shooter. This is an explosive player. So those are two guys that play very similar style, but I like Shaden Sharp a little bit more, especially from where you can draft him. I, I when we were in Vegas for uh, the the one, the first draft that I did of the season, Shaden Sharp was somebody I I definitely had my eye on late in that draft.
1: So I, I don't know if you have any bets prepared uh, for this specific market, but I want to dive in on most improved player. This one is a, a lot more fun to me than talking about MVP or defensive player of the year, uh, even title lots. You know, I, I think a lot of those are, are pretty straightforward, but most improved player with the amount of young talent that we have around the league right now. I mean, e- again, even the bad teams have one or two guys where you're like, yeah, I, I could see them making the leap this year. Uh, I mean, there are there are like 40 names we could go through, and you could probably make a case for uh, McCall Bridges is the favorite right now. At plus 750. You got Tyrese Maxey, 10 to one, Jordan Poole, 12 to one, Kate Cunningham, 13 to one. I like that one quite a bit. Uh, as you peruse the odds and, you know, Rotowire has a, a great odds comparison page for all of these markets, not just most improved player. You could, you could compare, you know, four different sports books, make sure you're always getting the best odds before you lock anything in. Uh, are, are there any players that you could see, uh, you know, kind of making that leap this year? Because th- there's plenty of value to be had when it comes to most improved player.
2: Yeah and I I sometimes struggle with how the how this is worded from the NBA. I don't think Cade Cunningham should be eligible for this award. He was outstanding as a rookie and then missed his entire second season essentially. So most improved like how does if he's good we already think he's good. So to me it's guys that like are we view as middle of the pack that that make that leap or guys that we wrote off. Like that's where I think Deandre Ayton is somebody that I would take a look at, but this is in the framework of the way that I look at the award. Uh, He's somebody that has been sort of discarded, viewed as a semi-star early on. And then we just decided to sell all DeAndre Ayton stock. He's going to have a new level of motivation. I think he should be able to put up big numbers with the Blazers. Uh, They're clearly going to rely on him down low. And and that was, that was a big part of that deal uh, in, in moving Damian Lillard was getting another fixture for that starting lineup But my favorite bet would be a Homer pick. I think Franz Wagner, you look at what he was able to do internationally at FIBA. He's taken over the country of Germany and he's a guy that because Paolo's on the roster, anybody nationally wants to talk about him. Franz is arguably their best player and a guy that only seems to be improving year over year. It seems like every season he's adding some other move, um, to his arsenal and i think he's a guy that can take that leap to where he does get nationally recognized might even have a better opportunity to make the all-star game over his teammate in palo so if he's able to do that i think he could definitely win the award
1: i like that call quite a bit you can get franz at 35 to 1 right now although i do think he would almost split the vote between palo like it would it would feel very strange if if you know Bancaro has a great second year and then Franz Wagner wins most improved, but But can you win most
2: improved when you've won rookie of the year? That's why I have a hard time wrapping my head around this award.
1: Here's the thing. I almost nobody, maybe, maybe nobody ever. I'm looking at the list right now. Like very few players uh, are in contention for this award in their second season. You know, normally it's a, it's a third, fourth, fifth year type of award. You think of like when Paul George made his leap, that was his third NBA season when he won this award, like on average uh, over the last 10 years, you know, 24, 25 year old players tend to win this award. And last year, you know, we we saw Laurie Markkinen take it home. That was somebody who, you know, found a new situation, you know, kind of similar to, to your DeAndre Ayton point, which by the way, DeAndre Ayton's not even listed here. Uh, At some point, I'm sure he'll be added to the board post-trade, but I mean, he's going to be what 40, 50 to one at lowest. So I I actually think that's a really good call. uh, If you're looking for somebody just kind of needing a fresh start in a new situation, Uh, you know, Alperin Shangun. At 20 to one is interesting to me. I I think bringing in a new head coach and Ime Yudoka is going to be good for him. I think that's going to instill a little bit more discipline uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And you forget, I mean, early last season, like Shangun was, he was coming off the bench at times. Like there was a really odd, slow start. I think Houston's going to be a more buttoned up professional organization. And I think that's only going to help Shangun, who's at 20 to one for most improved.
2: Yeah, Houston's a really interesting team. By the way, I found on FanDuel DeAndre Ayton is thirty-two to one to win Most Improved, so he's not completely um, yeah, blacklisted here. I like
1: that. Here. I like that. That 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 might be the call of the show from Brandon Kravitz. Yes, feel it. How about uh, How about Tyus Jones at twenty-two to one? I think I think he's going to be a fantasy monster. I, I don't know if it's going to translate enough to to real life voters for him to really be in contention. But we've been we've been waiting for this for like a decade for Tyus Jones to get his real chance.
2: Yeah, just will anybody be watching Washington Wizards basketball is my only concern <laughs> yeah. with betting anybody involved with this, this organization feels yeah. lifeless and listless. So that's 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 my concern there. But I think he's a guy like in the fantasy world. If you're playing underdog night tonight, then he's definitely somebody that you'll have on your radar. Sure, um, but it just doesn't seem like Washington's going to get the pub needed in order for any of their players to uh, to to cap off the season with that sort of success. Can I interest you in a defensive player of the year candidate? This one, I mean, it's sort of a layup, but I think this is the year to bet Giannis. You know, oh, yeah? setting settling back in defensively with Lillard there, he's won the award before. We know he's capable of it, and now he can kind of just be the guy that he needs to be for his team and not just bring it every night and score 40 and 15 and 10 and you know, all those those crazy sort of wilt numbers he'd been putting up. I think he's going to be able to settle in a little bit more and bring it defensively. And if you get a ratcheted up effort from Giannis on that end, he's almost a lock to win that award.
1: You know, my, my pushback on that would be that he finished behind his own teammate, in the voting last year, and Brooke Lopez, who I think you know, kind of shares a lot of the credit for this defense. But you're removing Drew Holiday, which completely changes your scheme. You have a new head coach coming in, uh, so yeah, I, I think this would be the time to bet Giannis. And you look at the historic uh, winners of this award. It's it's not like MVP where it's a you know my turn, your turn. All right, since you won it, you're now out for this next year. It's like we, we saw Rudy Gobert win three out of four. We saw Dwight Howard win three in a row. Ben Wallace won four out of five. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard won back to back. So you don't really worry about the history there or any sort of voter fatigue with defensive player of the year, you can get Giannis around eight to one uh, to win defensive player of the year. I, I, I don't hate that at all. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Anthony Davis at 10 to one. Now it's it's the same conversation as always with Davis. If you could guarantee me that he plays 70 games, I, I think he'd be the best bet on the board. But I, I think that's also a big part of the reason that he's 10 to one and not five to one for yeah. defensive player of the year. Beyond that, I, I don't, like, I, I don't love betting Embiid. There, I, I think the Sixers team could, could kind of go off the rails. I don't think that's a smart bet. Uh, yeah, Drew Holiday at fifteen to one in Boston is interesting. Uh, I, I still, you know, it, guards tend to struggle to win this award in general. Wouldn't bet that. Uh, you know, the one that jumps out to me is Walker Kessler at twenty-five to one because yeah. there, there are still a lot of voters here that just look at like, oh, you average three point five blocks per game, you must be the best best defensive player. Uh, and and if if Walker Kessler does that, he's going to be in the conversation by default.
2: I mean, he got a Rookie of the Year vote last year. Right. So, yeah, uh, voters uh, the, the blocks are, you know, maybe the most overrated stat in the NBA. It's a different conversation for a different day. But Walker Kessler is is he's the kind of guy that can get like seven on any given night right. with no issue whatsoever. So if he's able to break some sort of a record, you know, like uh, it's like an NFL player that, that sets the record for most interceptions. Like, I yes, guess you just exactly. have to give it to that guy. Uh, and Walker Kessler could end up there. I see Victor Wimbenyama's neck and neck with him in the odds. There's no chance Wimbenyama wins that award year one. If he does, forget it. You think the hype is big now. That guy wins rookie of the year and defensive player of the year in year one. It would be to the moon.
1: Well, I think the case for Wimbenyama is the same for Kessler, right? It's, you know, if he blocks three and a half shots a game, that he's going to be in the mix. And I, I think if that's the case, people are going to want to vote for him, right? Like the, like you said, the hype is going to pick up if, even if he struggles on offense, but he's just this machine blocking shots. And he has like an, a couple eight block games on the year. Like there, there's going to be some momentum. So I get it. Uh, but again, it's, it's the same reason I really wouldn't bet him right now for rookie of the year is just, I, I don't think the games played are ultimately going to be there. And we, you know, we, we saw him get pushed around a decent amount in summer league. I think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be in foul trouble. And I don't think the Spurs are going to be a very good team and they will be totally content if he makes it through the season healthy and plays like 57 games. So that's, that's still kind of a stay away for me. We got to get out of here pretty soon, Brandon, any other bets you want to get off your chest?
2: Uh, I would not sleep on the idea of betting Frank Vogel for coach of the year. He's never won it. He's well-respected around the league. And I know that usually this award is reserved for the guy who's coaching a team that wins more games than they're supposed to the Phoenix Suns with the talent they have. They're gonna have to get to sixty regular season wins in order to do it. We saw Mike Budenholzer win this award back in twenty nineteen by doing that. So it's not like t- coaches that are on the best team in the league, most talent, they can't win it. So I think that Frank Vogel's a guy probably because he hasn't done it before. And they should win a ton of games with all the talent they have. They're going to be tough, even if they go at half speed. They've got so yep. much talent; they should be able to pile up fifty-five to sixty wins this year. So, Frank Vogel, is someone I've got my eye on.
1: Yeah, the case for Vogel lies almost entirely in wins, right? I think when you have that much talent, you know, you, there's there's kind of two ways to look at Coach of the Year. You it's either the best coach, or it's either the coach of the best team. Excuse me. You know, we, we've seen that, like Monty Williams, when they when they won sixty-four games a couple of years ago. If you get to 64 wins, like you're basically winning it by default. That's what history would say. Even 60 wins usually uh, is a benchmark. Like if you're far and away the best team in the league, that coach has a pretty good chance to win it. You know, we, we saw Steve Kerr, you win 73, you're getting coach of the year. The other way is, you know, team is better than we expect. And coach gets credit for that. You know, that's Tom Thibodeau winning it with a, a 41 win Knicks team a few years ago. That was the case for Mike Brown winning 48 games with the Sacramento Kings last season. So uh, like, I, I understand why why Mark Dagnall, you know, is, is the favorite, because I think you could see OKC, you know, beating its win total by like 10 wins. Like that's totally oh, yeah. in the cards. Um, but, you know, if you look at the odds after that, it's Adrian Griffin, Eric Spolstra, Joe Mazzula, Mike Malone, you know, the, the coaches of the teams that we think will be at the top of the league. I like the Vogel call partially because I think if things break right health wise for the Suns, they will win a lot of games. And I, I also think the, you know, the, the other way that, that he kind of you know, earns credit for this award is... All right, this is kind of a tough group to, to make work, right? Like not not necessarily yeah, personality wise, but you know, Beal, Booker, Durant, like those those are all guys that need the ball. And, you know, I, I think if this thing really does hit in Phoenix and they win fifty plus games and the offense is the best in the league, then you know, I, I think that narrative of wow, Frank Vogel, you know, found a way to make it work with three ball dominant players, it's pretty easy to see that emerging.
2: Yeah, he's known as a defensive coach. So if they play even a lick of defense, he's gonna get all the credit for that. So right. I, I see a path forward for for Frankie to go ahead and take this one home
1: yeah I I would look at Rick Carlisle 25 to one you know I I don't know what the ultimate ceiling is for the Pacers but you know they're they're just a night and day team when Tyrese Halliburton's healthy and if he plays 73 games this year I I think they're you know they they could jump 10 wins from last season uh Jamal Mosley in Orlando I I think that goes hand in hand with some of the other magic bets uh that we've talked about he's 25 to one Willie Green 25 to one uh you know I, I think if the if the Pelicans make a big jump Zion probably is the reason for that. So it, it, we'll see how much credit Willie Green would get. But uh, I think you can see the case there. Beyond that, I, I don't know if there's anybody I would bet. Like, if you're looking for a real long shot, maybe Eme Yudoka. You know, I, I still don't love this yeah. Rockets roster, but I, I like it a hell of a lot more if Kevin Porter is not on it. And I, I think we're trending toward that being the case at some point, whether they release him or not. Oh, he's not playing. Online. Yeah, and I, I think that's good. I think that is ultimately a good thing. I think he's a losing player. I think he is a ultra-negative locker room presence you know a guy like literally the only player who's ever gone home in the middle of a game we've never seen that before in nba history at least to my knowledge um so at 40 to one there it's like i don't know how many games the rockets would have to win like you, you basically have to get to at least 500 i don't think there's never been a coach who's won this award winning uh you know going less to than 50 <clears> percent <throat> yeah. yeah but those the, the are usually
2: is... the type of coaches that bring it home the uh, udoka mosley you mentioned that these teams yeah. that nationally there's not a lot of expectation but we know that they have talent so there's a chance uh, there's a path forward for these teams to finish as a seven six seven seed in their conference which would just blow people away and and then when you're blown away by what a team did and there's no expectation
1: right those coaches are usually the ones that end up uh, end up winning this award so the bare minimum is 500 Doc Rivers, when he won it as the Orlando Magic head coach, was forty-one and forty-one in 1999. And that team was supposed
2: to be terrible. That's the exactly. reason why he won it.
1: Exactly. So you know, it, it's not like Adoka you know has to get to fifty wins here, but it's it's also a lot to ask for a team. Their win totals thirty-one and a half uh, right now. The Houston Rockets. So it, it, you'd have to beat it by quite a bit. You know, you, you got to get to five hundred, but I, I think it's possible. I mean, there is there is a decent amount of young talent on this team, and we forget. You know, they also brought in. Fred Van Vliet, you know, I I didn't really love that move as far as the timeline, as far as, you know, the other ball handlers that you already have on this team, but Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks are ultimately going to help this team win more games. They're not going to help it, you know, contend for a title or anything like that, but that does raise your floor uh, a decent amount. So again, if you're looking for, you know, a true long shot here, uh, I think Eme Udoka at 40 to one is where I would lean. Anything else you want to hit here, Brandon, or should we be on our way out?
2: Uh, I'll just throw a sixth man out there. Caleb Martin, it's, it's it's almost like a thank you for the entertainment in the postseason sure. sort of bet. He's probably not going to win it, but still um, what he was able to do in the postseason last year was incredible. So sixth man of the year for a team that needs somebody else to step up with all that they lost. Caleb Martin feels like the only guy that I would play in that regard.
1: All right. I like it. I, I'm tapped out. on bet. So we will uh, we'll cut it off here. We appreciate everybody listening live. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts uh, on the rotowire nba twitter account you can stream it there uh we implore you to check out the brand new rotowire fantasy basketball youtube page uh starting that thing from scratch uh, already you know seeing some growth there we appreciate everybody uh, who's checked us out on youtube uh, you can find all of our podcasts there you'll find plenty of videos uh, throughout the season as well and especially over these next few weeks leading up to opening night rick campbell and dr a will be back uh, on the pod tomorrow we'll have alex ken and shannon uh, talking some some early waiver wire, some early draft strategy uh, on Fridays. And then, like we said at the top, Brandon, you and I will be hosting this every Wednesday. Uh, always fun talking with you. Had a great time over the last hour and looking forward to doing this every week going forward.
2: Yeah, thanks for allowing me to be part of the Fantasy Basketball fam. I look forward to doing this. It's only going to get better from here uh, with all the content that we're going to be able to take in throughout the course of the season. I'm uh, Up until today, I'd been completely locked into football mode, so... Uh, between magic media day and this being able to kind of like add that to the repertoire. it, It feels like, you know, all is right with the world. So thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Thanks for jumping on, man. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next week.